0: Nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s, what a bunch of sappy crap. It's the sappy crap podcast, starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the sappy crap podcast where the names are changed but the stories are real. I'm Jarman.
1: I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how our dusty brains have kept them after all these years. At this point, they're just legends of the fall.
0: <laughs> legends of the fall with Brad Pitt. And That's we're right. here. He's to- in all my memories. <laughs> oh, he better be. Uh, we're here to tell stories that only two longtime best friends can. And what are we talking about this week, Steve?
1: Buckle up, Buttercup. We're talking about. College. Whoa, college! College.
0: All the way back to the two thousands.
1: That's right. I graduated from college thirteen years ago.
0: Oh god, it doesn't (laughs) feel that way.
1: I know, right?
0: Wow, we were in the aughts. The aughts.
1: (laughs) You want to hear something even worse? That means that we're coming up on our like twenty-year high school reunion. Oh my god!
0: I went to my ten-year reunion to high school. Did you go to your ten-year reunion?
1: No, because I would have been at the same reunion you were at, and I wasn't there.
0: You're right. That's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> Jarwin's had a couple of drinks tonight, folks. I'm sorry. That's fair. <laughs> okay. uh, no,
1: I, I think I do really plan on going to, the, going to the 20.
0: Well, that'd be great. Yeah, we can go together, man, because last time it was kind of rough, and there was more popular kids there than there were, like the outcasts and rejects and drama kids and band kids, so we need to make a bigger presence there next time. It'll be great.
1: Yeah, we'll watch we'll do something classy and we're matching tuxedos or
0: something. Oh yeah, let's wear matching or do and our everyone thing.
1: will go, I knew they would end up as such a lovely couple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, You're right, we did. And we also did. here are our wives. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, college. Uh so, so I, I've got yeah. an opening
1: question. Go for it. So how how did you end up at Boston University? How did I end up at Boston University? So what was the application like? Did you have other schools you were considering? Absolutely. Um,
0: From a young age, my mother was a very – this is going somewhere, I promise. She was very academic-minded. She has two doctorate degrees. She went to George Washington University for her um, law degree. Uh, Then she got a master's from there as well. And she had her undergraduate from UCF here in Florida, University of Central Florida. Um, and she then got a second doctorate degree from her UCF later on in education. Um, so she was pushing education my sister and I from an early age, and the big thing was that we should, of course, my sister and I go to Ivy League colleges. Um, my sister was always smarter than me, very realistic and very um. Goal oriented and that she wanted to be a teacher. And so she wasn't, she didn't need to go to some Ivy League college because she, she wanted to be a teacher. She wanted a good education. And she went to a close school called Stetson University here near Orlando Mm -hmm, Um, a great school and especially good for education. And she got a good education. She got a master's degree in special education. She's awesome. And she knew exactly what she wanted to do from day one. Me, not so much. I was like floundering. I was acting with Steven in high school, not knowing what the hell I was going to do. Um, And so, but I had good grades, and I was in honor society, and a lot of different uh, uh, extracurricular activities, that kind of thing. So I applied to uh, uh, some Ivy Leagues, and I applied to um, Boston University, and I also applied to Emerson, which was surprisingly my fallback school. Uh, Emerson's also in in Boston, for those who don't know, and it's a still a very good school, Um, and. I also applied to all of their acting programs but at the same time you could apply to their regular programs as well. So mm-hmm. if you in case you were declined from your audition, you could also be accepted into their academic program. Um so I went to audition for Emerson, I went to audition for I think Boston University and a couple others, I don't recall exact and New York University as well. And didn't get into any of those schools for acting. I was I was had horrible auditions. I did I picked bad pieces I think I was doing a Manila Mancha at 18 years old, which is a play for a 50-year-old man. (laughs) It was really dumb. Uh, I had no coaches to tell me that was a terrible idea. But anyways, I got into Emerson and I didn't get into the Ivy Leagues. And I did get into UCF, which I applied for as well as also a backup kind of school. And but then I got into Boston University, which isn't an Ivy League school for those outside the U.S. But, but it's, it's it's Ivy League adjacent. It's literally right across the river from uh, Harvard and from MIT, and it's a it's about the tier right below Ivy League. Um, there's even a joke if you watch the movie Social Network, uh, the guy uh, playing Mark Zuckerberg is talking to his girlfriend. And she's like, I've been really busy with homework and writing papers. And she's like, it shouldn't be that hard. You go to Boston University because <laughs> he went to Harvard. <laughs> he actually makes that joke in the movie. It made me like so angry. I was like, ah, but it's hard. Um, so, yeah. So then I got into Boston University. Uh, it's a terrible idea because in general, colleges cost way too much. And I shouldn't have gone to such an expensive school for I end up being a film major. I started off as journalism uh, and then went to film later on. And it costs a lot of money and uh, you don't need that for if you're not going to Ivy League. I say either go to state school or go to Ivy League. Don't do anything in between because it's a waste of money. But that's my opinion. So fair. how did what was your path to going to Seattle Pacific University where you ended up going to school as well?
1: Uh, so my. Right before my senior year, my mom got a job. She got her Ph.D., Mm. Uh, and got a job teaching at Seattle Pacific University up Have in Washington. Smart moms. Both Super smart moms. Yep. Uh, and so my senior year was spent with her in Seattle, but my her and my dad had, make the, had made this promise to me when we moved to Orlando that they would keep me there through high school because they had moved me around a good amount. That's right. Before yeah. that, that point. And so their promise to me was we were staying there through high school. Uh, and so to keep that promise, my dad and I stayed behind for a whole year and mom went and taught in Seattle and got the house set up uh, and we got to see her on like her spring break and her winter break. That's right. Um, and so my dad was planning to move out to Seattle basically as soon as I graduated and I was facing the prospect of being like an 18 year old high school graduate that would suddenly be 3000 miles away from his parents, and like 1200 miles away from my closest relative. Oh yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. So I decided that I was going to move there with them. <laughs> and I started looking at SPU. And not only did I get a, a good discount there because my mom taught there. Sure. yeah, um, But additionally, I left and they had or they had a really good technical theater program and they had a great education program because at the time I was going to be a teacher for about two quarters. Um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that did not last. Uh, <laughs> uh, and. I looked and they were a really good school and you said the Ivy league thing. And the thing that SPU always boasted if I remember correctly is that they had the same, they kept the same PhD to student ratio as Ivy leagues. Oh, okay. Cause that's a big part of it apparently, but like, I remember them always boasting that. Like retaining their
0: PhD people who state the whole program, that kind of thing.
1: Right. right, right. Hmm. Um, and I had okay grades. I had three, a 3.4 in high school. Like, not, you know. Oh, yeah. Mine was much better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mine was, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I was invited to National Honor Society and then looked at the requirements and it was like, you have to maintain three, five. And I went, there is no way that's going to hold. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go. I remember I didn't go to the second meeting after getting the invite.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, so Sidetrack for a second. I, I kept the grade point average, but I was in Honor Society, had the like ribbon for graduation. I didn't go to more than one meeting ever. I went to, I went to the initial meeting to sign up and never went again. And I still got the ribbon at the end and said, I was a national art society. Went to one meeting. It means, it means nothing. (laughs)
1: Uh, I had okay. SAT scores. Not great. Oh, i Um, wasn't bad. But I, so I just remember thinking like, you know, I might get into this school. (laughs) Uh, And so spring break senior year, we went, uh, I went up and we visited my mom and I went and did a campus tour. I had already submitted, like I'd already applied at that point because it was spring break. So, you know, applications had to be in, you know, a month before that. Um, And I went and it was spring break in Seattle as well at the school. And so there were no students to give tours. So I ended up getting a tour from like one of the admissions counselors. Oh, (laughs) and the tour started with like me and two other families. And within 15 minutes, they both just left. So the tour was just me and the admissions guy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you when know, I start
1: talking one-on-one and he's showing me stuff, he takes me, not say into places you shouldn't, but he's like, well, this is a new science building. Do you want to go in and see it? And I went, yeah. And so we like got his keys out. And we went into the brand new science building that hadn't opened yet. Nice. Yeah. You know, and I got to see some of that stuff. Mind you, I, I never went in that building again. Uh, <laughs> um, and he started talking about how, you know, he covers X territories, blah, blah. blah. And I said, what territories?" He he's like, well, I cover Oregon and Washington. And like two other states in the middle of the country. And I cover Florida. And I was like, Oh, I'm an applicant from Florida. And he was like, Oh, you're Steven. And I went, yes (laughs) yes huh. <laughs> so he like knew who i was because i was the only applicant from florida wow that that's weird and the guy who was the admissions officer for that state happened to be the guy giving my tour i uh. was connected and it was very personal and it was at that moment that i was like i'm getting into the school
0: oh yeah you're like this connected like, this is happening
1: it, yeah it was just it worked out so perfectly i was like i and i remember i stopped worrying about it after that because i was like i'm getting into the school the guy knows me by my face now you know (laughs) that's so funny uh and so yeah sure i got accepted and and went and and went to college
0: that's crazy and also you you reminded me i forgot all about this but i think it was harvard or yale i don't remember which one it was which i had no business being either of those schools but neither do a lot of people who go to those schools who are just paying their way in but that I digress. Um, but when I applied to one of those schools, it was one of them that they have representatives in each state because they're such a big, you know, popular school mm-hmm. that uh, give themselves as people who will interview possible um, candidates. Oh, yeah, to to I yeah, alumni
1: interview pools and that kind of thing. Yes,
0: exactly. So I went to some for Harvard or Yale, I like can't one to some, um, doctor's office it was like in his like mahogany bookcased office here in winter park, Florida, um and just talked to him, and he talked to me about my goals and what I liked about life and what I wanted to do with myself. And obviously didn't get into that school, uh, whether it's my grades or, or his interview that didn't go so well, but he was this old dude in his mahogany bookcase office. And he didn't like me so much. Whereas you got to be on this cool tour and he's like, Oh,
1: you're Steve, <laughs> which is yeah, great. You're he's the like one applicant from the state. I <laughs> got,
0: you got very lucky there. That was great. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a small
1: enough university that, you know, it wasn't yeah. incredible class size or anything. So it's not like he recognized me out of, 30 or 40,000 students.
0: <laughs> but still, it's really cool that you got to like be with that guy who was in charge of your state. That's pretty neat. Uh, uh,
1: and then while I was there, I also got to meet the the head of the theater department.
0: Who you later gone. on work with, of course,
1: I later on, of course, became very involved in my life. And then one of the senior professors in the department. And I remember he was like, well, are you here to audition? And I was like, audition for what? And he was like, oh, we have scholarships. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And, And no, I don't have anything prepared. And he's like, and he was like, I can go get Kim right now. Ooh. And one other faculty member, and you can audition for us. And I remember having to tell him, like, I don't have anything prepared because <laughs> they wanted three pieces. And I was like, I can oh. do one and a half pieces at most. Like, you I'm could, not going to. You could probably I'm not read eat.
0: something if you needed to. But, but
1: I mean, it was just one of those things where, like I wasn't going to embarrass myself in front of them on my first outing in front of these people. Oh, for sure. It was not my goal. But it was nice to them I remember to offer. in that moment, yes, yeah, so was like, I can go get them right now. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no it's fine. <laughs> Please you. don't.
0: Please don't. <laughs> I'll never forget my audition for, I think it was, it was either undergrad or grad school because at grad school, I also tried to go, I tried to audition for grad school acting uh, schools and it was mental Mancha. So it might've been undergrad and I went to the bathroom before the audition because I was super nervous and I ended up getting a little bit of, a, a little bit of pee that came out after I went to the bathroom that leaked through my underwear onto my jeans and so you could see it through the outside of my jeans. <laughs> so I think during the audition, see, singing, I am my and love the mancha," And there's pee in my pants. So that's probably a big reason why I didn't get that audition.
1: All right. So let me ask you, what, what was your first college party like, like real college oh. party?
0: I, I think I can remember the first one where I actually was drinking alcohol because I went to a couple of college parties probably without it, but I don't remember them very much. But since you and I, as listeners may know, we didn't drink much in high school or anything like that.
1: No, like two times in all of high school. Exactly.
0: Um, And so I remember being on the roof of one of the dormitories in Boston university and just uh, having a vodka drink of some sort and just everyone being out there. And it just was this moment of like, oh my God, there is no one watching us right now. <laughs> Nothing is, no one's telling <laughs> us what to do. We have no curfew. My room is right below us on the, the below in the dormitory. I can just have fun up here. I'm an adult, not really, because obviously I was acting like a child, not but really, yes. I was, uh, but I felt like I was just completely, it just hit me at that particular point that I, it's up to me what I do right now. Um, And I remember having a, a solo cup full of some kind of, you know, really fruity vodka drink that people drink in college um, and just looking out over the Boston skyline. I was like, this is a, a party. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest first college memory of parties. What about you?
1: Mine was later in the year. Um, so my parents' house was close enough to campus that I lived in their basement in like a, you know, like basically a, a mother-in-law apartment.
0: It was a cool place to live. Actually, it was, a, it for was a real cool place. It a was good
1: location. Yeah, it was it was stellar. Um, but really what it did is because I wasn't in a dorm and I wasn't on a floor, I didn't have any social interaction.
0: Yeah, that's the problem.
1: It left me really kind of isolated in a lot of ways. Uh, and eventually later the second semester, I moved onto campus. My parents were like, you seem miserable. Do you want to go move into a dorm? I went, yes, please. I need (laughs) something.
0: That's a good idea.
1: Um, so I went and moved into a dorm, but, uh, because of that, I didn't go to any parties really because not say I wasn't invited, but I wasn't in the social life there because I lived off campus. Um, And so it was the cast party for the first show. I was in the first main stage show called man for all seasons. And we were a dry campus, not only dry campus, but we were like a dry student population. (sighs) We had to sign a thing called lifestyle expectations agreement that said that we would not drink and we would be disciplined if we did. Wow whether you were of age, not of age on campus or off campus did not matter. Um, and so we go to this party and it's pretty tame. And I remember the director showed up. It's like a staff member showed up, not part fun. Of it, not fun, <laughs> right? It was pretty tame. And then he left and I remember the moment he was out the door. The bottles of booze came out from the <laughs> upper classmen, and within two minutes, I had a really disgusting White Russian in my hand. Oh,
0: I hate White Russians! Like <laughs> so gross. I can't do They're it. So
1: gross. Uh, and I that was like the first time I had like a college drinking experience because before that point, it just hadn't been in the cards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, because um, they make it hard for you. Obviously, <laughs> boozed
1: up. We got pizza delivered. I remember, like, two of us drunkenly dancing with the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Um but that was probably my first real college party was a cast party. That's, a that's great.
0: And I, I had a few of those cast parties in college and some my I have vague memories of them. And one I played uh I don't I forgot what the name of the game was where you duct tape your hands to two bottles of alcohol.
1: Oh, Edward Forty hands.
0: Edward Forty hands, there you go. Except mine was it was two bottles of wine where I was I had duct taped oh. my hands. And I think that was for when I was director of a play. I directed a play in college and it was the cast party for it. And they wanted to get the director drunk, so I was in like a, a tie and a nice shirt, and I had these two bottles of wine duct taped to my hands. <laughs> There's a picture out there somewhere of that. Um, and it was in a basement of some of this like a brownstone out in Alston, Boston, which is just like this really bad area, but it's where all the college kids live because they can afford the housing out there. Um, yeah, and just the, the cast parties were nuts, and people were making out all the time and going out back and and. You know, having clove cigarettes, you know. How, Ooh, how yeah. cool was that? <laughs> I thought I was yeah, so it, it was those are good times.
1: Now, what was the easiest class you took in college? Ooh, the easiest class.
0: Um I strangely enough, I don't remember a lot of easy classes. None of them were particularly easy. Um as far as homework goes, I could say if I had to qualify, it would be my acting classes. I took a couple of acting classes, and it was, but it was still intensive emotionally. When you were there, people were crying left and right because these were things getting deep in your emotions. And he was good at cracking even the most like uh, walled up people who were just like, uh, "I'm not into this. This is stupid or silly." He would get them crying by the end of the semester, <laughs> so right. that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, I. I uh. I had a lot of hard classes. I'll I'll throw it back in your face a little bit because I had some hard classes where I had to withdraw and get a W. Uh because I had one class called detective fiction. I was like, this'll be easy. That's what I thought. Th- this made the question made me think of it.
1: You were so young then.
0: I know, but I was like, ooh, detective fiction? That sounds fun. We'll read detective books and and write papers on them. Great. I love that idea. That sounds fantastic. And so we had the the collection of Sherlock Holmes books. We had um uh the 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 what's the Oh, that the, the bird from the old movie from the 40s. Uh, uh, the Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon. Thank you. Um, we'd be great. We were, <laughs> I just
1: guessed that off of the bird from uh, tu- the 1940s. Toupé.
0: Toupé. Toupé.
1: <laughs> Toupé.
0: <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so but we get in this class and it's this really serious professor and he's like, you need to read um, one of these books every two days. So each class we come back, you'll need to be done reading the book so we can talk about it and take a test on it. And I'm like, you need me to read a novel every two days. <laughs> it was nuts. And so originally I've, I actually told him to his face and like, I can't take this class because I can't with on top of my rest of my workload and being an extracurriculars, I can't read a novel every two days. And he's like, fine, then drop the class. I'm like, okay, I will. So I dropped the class. I got a W and uh, yeah, that was, it was supposed to be easy, but it wasn't. So did you have a really easy class
1: in Colin? Uh, yeah, I had one. I had two that I can think of. One of them was senior year. I needed like a throwaway arts credit that wasn't theater. Like mm. I couldn't take all my arts credits in theater and I had theater credits out the butt. Uh, so I took, <laughs> right. an, I took an intro to voice class. Oh, like for singing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, but okay. as Someone who had taken like years of, years of voice lessons and done all the singing it, it oh, was like an
0: intro f- to voice right, it was a joke I it was you. a joke I and i was
1: immediately the star
0: <laughs> that's, that's gotta feel good though I it's like being I joined, a spanish speaker, joined, and being a Spanish class intro 101
1: <laughs> right uh and then even at one point i joined uh the men's choir which is called manaqua at spu okay. and and got uh got a solo like my second day Oh, nice. like, like walked into this established choir. People had been in for years and just took a solo.
0: <laughs> that's got to feel good. Right. It was one
1: that's like, ah, oh, this is maybe a little too easy. Um, but the one I remember was easy, not because of the subject matter, not because of the class, because of the teacher. Um, so at SPU, we had these things called the, U, the, the university classes, which was um, this seven courses that required for every student. Right, And there was one called University Seminar, which was essentially a how to write for college class. Everyone took it first semester of freshman year. That's helpful. And then there was Core, which was philosophy, world culture, and a few other things. And then there was USEM, which was religion classes. Right. So like USEM 1000 was world religions, USEM 2000 was Bible study, and USEM 3000 was like morality
0: for the listeners who don't know, uh, uh, SPU, Seattle Pacific University, was a Christian, a Christian college. Christian university, yes. yeah,
1: Methodist university. Um, and so it was UCOR 1000. And I don't know what it was supposed to be, but we had this guy who was the head of the English department, clearly didn't want to be there, and at the time was at odds with the university. Oh. Because part of his tenure agreement was that he had to publish every X amount of years. <laughs> To meet his tenure agreement and the university was on him, and he was like a year or two behind on this. So, what did he do over the summer before I took this class? He self-published and self illustrated three children's books <laughs> called the Baby Bunny series. And it was uh Baby Bunny goes to goes to tea, baby bunny gets a tattoo, and baby bunny goes to hell.
0: Oh Jesus.
1: <laughs> and he self published them, like bought a printer and made them and stapled them together. And I remember they were on sale in the SPU bookstore.
0: <laughs> so he was technically published.
1: <laughs> right, it was his way of like throwing it in the university's face. Oh my God. Um, so that was that was the guy, just to give a description of the, the professor. <laughs> he had like serious classes he was teaching because he was teaching literature and like level 3,000, 4,000 classes. He did not want to be teaching a UCOR 1000. Um, so the class was nine weeks. Um, And I remember this was the assignment was we went Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had papers due on Fridays, but it was a two page paper. And he would literally just name a topic. He's like, tell me about what love has meant in your life. Tell me about what anger has meant in your life. Hmm. Tell me about heartbreak in your life. Tell me about laughter. And you would literally just like write him a story in two pages and turn it in and he would like sometimes put notes but most of the time it was pretty clear he hadn't read anything
0: just put an a on paper
1: uh he didn't grade for grammar completeness subject matter it was just if you turned in a two page paper that seemed mildly like what he asked for that you got a thing you got a grade <laughs> That's and then the final the final for this class was uh was all right, I want you to take all the papers you wrote and I want you to put them together in a folder for me and then write one final two page paper about what you learned in this class and put it at the end. And that was the final for the oh class. My God. And it was such and it was such a joke. It was incredible. But this, it made for a very easy semester when people around me were like really struggling.
0: This guy's really phoning it in.
1: He really did not care. He was already fighting with the university. He had tenure out the butt. Oh, he was man. like the head of the head of the English department. Like they'd love to get rid of get him, it, but they can't, but they can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that was, it It was 10, two page papers was literally all the work and not even like research papers. Just like, tell me a story papers. That's great. <laughs> uh, so was the, the detective literature? Cause that's what the next question was. Toughest class was the detective literature, liter- detectives literature class. The toughest one you took, um, What's the toughest one you completed.
0: Well uh, that one wasn't even tough cuz it was just it was stupid. It's like the expectation was completely unrealistic to have uh, college students read a book every two days. It's like that's just impossible. Like we have so much other stuff to be doing. Um probably the toughest class uh would be one's I really enjoyed actually was um uh, I had some um I think it was drama for one of them, it was like actually literature of drama kind of thing where we studied actual uh, dramatic plays and the history of drama and that kind of thing. And a grad student taught that class um, and she also ran a theater group which put on plays for – they only did plays that were written by Shakespeare's contemporaries. So Marlowe, people like that, that have written plays – that they were around alive the same time as Shakespeare, but not Shakespeare. (laughs) So we put on like three plays that were just random plays. No one's ever heard of that were around at the same time as Shakespeare. She's like, they're just as good because she was arguing for that. And she had her, her thesis about that for her PhD as she was studying. But those are really tough classes because we would do uh, all sorts of plays about Ionesco and all these different random playwrights that were very random. Uh, The waiting for Godot playwright, I forget his name. Um, And have to write very serious papers about that. And it was tough because she was – she knew – she was an English professor, so she knew grammar and those kind of things. And I was – my grammar was never very good uh, growing up because we weren't taught that very well consistently throughout our schooling because they would always start back at the beginning at each school year it seemed like. And we never really learned advanced grammar. Um, But yeah, so that was probably one of my toughest classes (laughs) because it's just – I I get really bad grades for things I didn't know I was doing wrong. writing papers like that. But what was your toughest class? Cause you sold me a very easy uh, class of your tenure professor.
1: <laughs> I mean, I also took intro to ballroom dancing. So don't forget that. Oh,
0: I took that too. I did that in college as well. That's funny. <laughs> uh,
1: so I think the hardest, um, from like just a pure knowledge perspective was theater history. Oh yeah. It was just so many names and locations and timelines. Uh, and important figures, and important plays, and important concepts that came out of eras—just so much to memorize. Yeah. Um, and the and the professor that taught it was no joke, no joke. Uh, he also took taught play script analysis, but for whatever reason, I had a much easier time with that. Um, but that was one of those ones where it's like, hey, you have to work, read two plays a week for the entire quarter, and mm-hmm. write analysis papers on every single one. Um stuff the hardest from a subject point of view the one that i just struggled with like crazy uh so there were some classes in the theater department that were only offered every so often so like there were some because we were a small department there were some that were only offered every other year so if you missed it this year you weren't going to catch it again until your junior year Mm. you know that sort of thing and one of them was stage management And they had a local stage manager who had worked with professional theaters in the area, the Intimon and the rep, um, and who was also an SPU alum, come and teach the class. And there was a class minimum at SPU of, I think, five students or something like that. And the class didn't meet the minimum. Oh, wow. There were like four students. Because once again, it was a rare class, and it's sort of a topic not everyone cares about. Um, And so... The theater department chair came to me. Don came to me and said, Steven, I know that you have don't have enough credits. Not say enough credits. I had a very light credit quarter. Uh, and he basically asked me to take the class as a favor to him. Oh, so it could yeah. happen. So I, like an idiot, agree. <laughs> and it is the hardest class I take the entire time at SPU. Not only because of the person teaching it, Stage managers, you know, are some of the most particular. Oh, yeah. Detail oriented. Detail oriented human beings you've ever met in your life. The good ones. In a bad way. That's what makes them great at what they do.
0: They need to be. Yeah. If they're good ones, they need to be. Yeah. I'm
1: not really that guy.
0: (laughs) No, no, you're not.
1: (laughs) And I remember there were these in-depth things where we would have to read entire scripts and make complete prop lists based off of context clues within the script. That's rough. And we had to call out like amounts and stuff. And I remember we had to turn in this prop. That was like one of our first assignments. We had to turn in this prop list. And I remember I knew I was in trouble when I got like a C minus on it and I started looking at it and it was because we had to put like the item and the amount that we needed Mm -hmm. and everywhere that I put like coin, we need four of them. So these are like two different columns. I got marked off for every time I wrote coin and not coins.
0: Oh my God.
1: Despite bro. the fact that I had put that we needed four an implied plural.
0: That's ridiculous. Right, right.
1: And it was at that point I went, this is going to be really bad, Steve. <laughs> this uh, is going to be a problem. <laughs> and that was one of the classes, like I got out of there with a C minus, like just oh, barely scraped out of that class. To so the point where there. I almost wouldn't have would have been able to count it towards my major. Yeah. If I I if gotten a D, it wouldn't have counted. Because it was for my major and Um, as a
0: favor to somebody. And then, then they, they have five kids in the class and they still do that crap to you. That's ridiculous.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. So that was my hardest Mm -hmm. one just because I didn't care about stage management. I knew it was not an aspect of theater that I was interested in. So I wasn't mentally invested in it. And not only that, the grading was insane. Yeah. On top of that. And I just, between all those factors, I just, it was a real rough quarter for, for what was, should have been an easy one too. Oh yeah. Like I did a nice easy quarter lined up. And because it was a favor for God's sake. And because it was a favor for the chair. Yep.
0: Now I have a question for you and I'm going to start it off first with my own experience. Um, The most important or influential classes that you had in college. And there's just three little moments that I'll pick out. Um, One being uh, I took philosophy of science. Because I had to take a science or math course, two of them, throughout my college experience since I was a film major. I only had to take two science or math courses. Uh, So I took one of them I took was evolution over the summer at UCF, actually. And that credit counted towards that. And then also philosophy of science while at Boston University. And just one moment that blew my mind, which was awesome, um, was when she said in the course, she was like, we have – we can never say for certain that gravity will work the same way from this moment to the next. There's just no way to say with absolute certainty that it is the case. We only say that because it has happened that way every single time we've tested it in the past. And that's why we never say anything in science with absolute certainty. We say this is just the most probable outcome due to our prior evid- evidence. And it's just like that's kind of made the fundamental basis of my atheism and also my skepticism and all these different things I I live for in life is that one comment that woman made in that class that one time was just like if any argument says, well, how do you know this won't happen? Like, well, I don't. But I know that every single time in the past, this has happened, so I can likely say that will happen in the future. But I can never say with absolute certainty there is no God, there that Bob doesn't have a blue car, those kind of things. Like, it was just an amazing moment that one time in college. That I had an eye-opening experience. Um, another one was um, I had the Communications 101 when I joined Communications College as a journalism major initially. They had different people from communications fields come in to talk to us and a um, journalist came in and he said, oh, the only way to be a journalist in this day and age is to start off as an ambulance chaser. You have to go around and chase ambulances and disasters and then report on them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible. So I changed my major to a film major. Um he was wrong, obviously. That guy was terrible because that's not how you can – you can go several different routes to become a journalist, and that's not the only one you can do. Um, but I'm grateful because it made me meet the friends I did in college and um, become a film major and go on the path I'm on now. Um, and and Also, I took a film industry class um, in college, which was one of the most valuable classes you could take in a film uh, school. If anyone out there is going to a film school – Look for a film industry course or a business class, um, anything that guides you towards the business of the entertainment industry. Because um, right now I'm a voice actor and I'm I was severely lacking in the business aspect of what this takes to do because all they teach you is how to make the films or how to become an actor or how to be a voice actor. No one teaches you the business aspects. And that one class was all I had to cling on to that was like, oh, these are business things that make sense, how I can actually eventually make money off of this profession. Oh, that's great. That should have been the whole guiding light of the entire major, but it wasn't. Um, so, what are the things like that for you in college that were maybe some eye-opening moments that actually were like, "Oh, I'm in college. I'm glad I got this experience from college." You know that kind of thing.
1: Um,
0: if you had any, you don't. Have I to, have mean, any.
1: I, I think I I was lucky enough that I was I was a boy in a very female-heavy major, True. theater. Yeah. Um, and so that afforded me some opportunities I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. And one of them, and one of the ones I credit for a lot of my success in getting cast throughout college. Cause I was in a ton of, of the college's productions mm-hmm. um, was freshman year. Second, second semester um, there was an auditioning class being taught and taught by a woman named Karen Lund, who's a, a big wig in the Seattle theater community and actually ends up doing a lot of like uh, early directing or preview directing for stuff that ends up on Broadway. Mm. Um, a lot of that happens out of Nashville, surprisingly enough, um, where they like preview shows. Seattle has a lot of it too. Like Shrek, the musical started in Seattle. Uh, so, um, she was teaching this auditioning class and there was one boy in the entire class. It's not that there weren't enough people. It's just that there was one guy in the entire class and it was only open to juniors and seniors. Oh, okay. Um, And it was another one of those things where, and we pissed a lot of people off, but I remember Don made a special thing to let me and two other freshman guys in.
0: Ah, okay. Because it was full otherwise, but they're like,
1: can you guys go into this class? It's not that it was full. It's just that, you know, there were 12 people. It wasn't going to not happen if we didn't go. It's just that Karen was like, I would really think it would be really good. If they uh, can see, so it was a matter know, of
0: you hadn't chosen to go into that class, but they're like, hey, can you take this class?
1: <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was it was like, we are opening this class to freshman boys only if you're oh, interested. because you a freshman. A lo- oh, okay. A lot of freshmen and sophomore girls were pissed, pissed oh, beyond yeah. belief. Um, but because of that, I got to go take this really high level auditioning class with someone who auditioned professional actors mm. on the regular uh, my freshman year and got an experience freshman year that I wouldn't have been able to get otherwise until junior year at the earliest. And I credit a lot of my good auditioning skills and getting a lot of roles throughout college and beating people out for parts that not say I rightly had no, no reason to get, but I beat them out because of this class and because of the things I learned in that class. Um, the other one I can think of is it was one of the U cores. I think it was the philosophy. So either 2000 or 3000 Uh, That made me, like, give up on Christianity, despite the fact that it was one of the university's classes (laughs) to, like, strengthen that resolve. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Well, because we started talking, I remember we started talking about different types of evil. And, um, like, and and I think it was when we started talking about natural evil. Mm. And that's, like, you know, when natural disasters happen.
0: Right. And kill hundreds of
1: people and kills 30,000 because the huge tsunami had just happened in, in Southeast Asia just before that. And, you know, where thousands of people were killed and it was like, natural evil; it just happens naturally. And so I was like, are you telling me that God, this guy that we hear so much about who created (laughs) everything and is in charge of every aspect of our lives, doesn't control the weather? Well, of course he controls the weather. So he let this happen then. Well, well, I mean, yes, but you just told me this was evil. So therefore, the God that you guys have been talking about is capable of evil.
0: So not omnibenevolent, basically.
1: Right, right. right. It was just one of those things like, so you're not blaming on the devil. You're saying evil exists in the world naturally, but God is in charge of it. I was like, that doesn't make do you hear you people?
0: <laughs> do you hear yourself speaking? <laughs> <laughs> do you hear yourself speaking? But I remember
1: it was really that it was really looking at the different types of evil uh, the, that philosophy stuff. Uh that really just broke it for me. Oh yeah. And I went, This doesn't make any sense.
0: It's so funny how we both had like kind of our atheist moment in uh in college at some point with a philosophy or kind of religion class. Yeah. Um but yeah, most people bring up the problem of evil and say, like oh, well, just God has a reason for why He did that and there, there's a plan in place for why that he made that hurricane kill 10,000 people. Um, but it, it's the problem of evil. It's been going back you know hundreds of years, but it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. you have to do Fair a lot right. of
1: God loves everybody. but if he loves everybody, why did let this terrible thing happen? Well, to- he didn't let it happen, but <laughs> he's in charge,
0: right? You got to do a lot of mental gymnastics to make it work like like the dental, the the global flood where he uh, he supposedly just killed all the non-believers and people who hated God. But the problem is he killed a lot of women and children and and and, uh, innocent animals who just knew nothing about God or didn't know anything. If you believe that flood happened and he God caused it, you have to believe that he killed innocent children who had nothing to do.
1: Either God is fully in charge and makes evil happen. Or you have to admit that he's not in charge of everything and therefore he becomes fallible.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually so much more okay with the idea of a fallible God, a God who just kind of does stuff and doesn't know what's happening and a not omniscient God. That makes much more sense to me. If it's a God who just fucking around and made, made humanity and it's like, oh, shit, look what they're doing because he's not aware of what they're going to do. And he's like, "Oh, that stinks. Let me blow that away." Oh my God, I killed all of them. Oops, that was an accident. That makes a lot more sense to me than some omniscient god who's doing this on purpose, who's just a complete monster. That makes much less sense to me, and why you would worship a god like that makes even less sense. He's a complete monster. Um, so yeah. Anyways, I digress. We, it's college. Did, uh, yeah, college it, did it this was, to between us. Between <laughs> that
1: and then there was uh, U- university foundations, which was a uh, st- study of the Bible class, which was the the two the sophomore level class. Mm. Um, and we started talking about not only the books of the Bible, but then how they were formed to put together. And we got into a whole section on the Apocrypha and uh, the books that are omitted. And then hearing about how and why it was so nonsensical, arbitrary and so arbitrary. I was like, so the Bible is just like the director's cut of the Bible,
0: <laughs> right? There are or so like many the books. The editor's they left
1: choice <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> Um, And it was just really realizing that arbitrariness, that was mm. like, come on.
0: Like the Council of Nicaea, I think it was, where they decided, oh, these ones are kind of fucked up. Let's leave those out. Uh, these ones have some weird stuff where uh, Jesus says magic. And we don't like that. So let's leave those or, out.
1: Or there are some where it's redundant and they're just minor differences. So I guess we don't need those. And like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah. So I think it was literally the university courses that were supposed to teach you more about like morality and the Bible that and, made you not philosophy believe philosophy that made me really a non believer when it comes down to it. Oh,
0: they failed at their job. Oh, one of the coolest things we learned, I think, with our, with our um episode of the opposite of 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 Saint Nick. What's his name? We watched the movie. Um Krampus. Krampus. Was that uh Saint Nick, the person that Saint Nicholas is based off of was at the Council of Nicaea that chose the Bible um, chapters we were going to include in the Bible, uh, the books that we we're going to include in the Bible. So that's Chris. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> I think you had that fact. of I did.
1: So, yeah. St. Nicholas.
0: <laughs> yeah. St. Nicholas was at the council of Nicaea where they chose the books of the Bible or
1: a St. Nicholas. That's the thing. If you realize about saints, like any saint, you know, there's been like 10 of them.
0: It might've been a different one. Yeah. We well, don't this know. There's a thing like
1: St. Valentine. The same thing. There's like 14 St. Valentine's and especially really? four of them all died on Valentine's day. <laughs> and there's like the one that they think is the St. Valentine's that St. Oh. Valentine's that Valentine's day is based off of. I didn't know. But yeah. It's just insane. insane. It's insane. <laughs>
0: it's all insane. Not to uh, degrade anyone for believing in religion. My mother believes in religion. I believe in God believes in Jesus. Uh, and uh, she's a very intelligent woman. So does Stephen's mom. And. Nothing
1: wrong with that. It's Look, just that Josh was a great guy. <laughs> Josh he had some Heshua. great lessons. Yeah. His name was Josh. <laughs> yeah. Joshua, That's okay. Heshua, Heshua, yeah. He was such a good guy that his friends were like, how can we remember Josh and all the great things he taught us forever? Let's make up some great stuff. And stories. that in itself is not a bad thing. It's no. not. Josh was that good of a guy. <laughs>
0: And if we corrupt his the, that socialist message that they wrote down in the books, then we create uh, strange uh MAGA heads who are out there right now mm-hmm yep anyways um yeah, so this <laughs> episode was fun <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> we covered a lot of stuff i think I think that wraps up this episode of the sappy crap podcast. we had a lot of fun in college, Steve I think we did. Yeah.
1: That's right. Join us again next week when we talk about something so interesting that we don't even know what it is yet.
0: That's true. And thanks for joining us in this delightful stumble down
1: memory lane. Don't forget the good old days weren't always that good.
0: This podcast was brought to you by a play on nerds.